1: Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy Podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. Happy Lunaza!
0: Yes, happy Lunaza to you and all of our listeners. To be completely transparent, I'm excited about the start of harvest season because that means we're getting closer to the season of the witch. But I'm also a little bit tentative because. When you're a gardener, harvest season can be quite labor-intensive, so if there are any fellow gardeners or farmers out there, good luck, pace yourself, we got this.
1: I am just always so impressed with what you managed to get done. Like, you are fully headed into harvest season, and I'm just in the city soaking up the dog days of summer, and <laughs> the sidewalks are hot, the parks are full, the beach down at the Rockaways is wild, and the sweat is pretty much a permanent fixture.
0: Yes, I feel that. When it's 90% humidity every day, sweat is my summer accessory.
1: Also, happy almost Leo season. Where are Leo listeners at? Happy birthday, Lions. We love you.
0: Yes, one of my favorite Leos, my childhood best friend, was born on Lunaza. So happy birthday, Laura and all fellow Lions. May Leo season ignite our creativity, passion, and usher in all the blessings.
1: Kristen, are you reading anything good right now?
0: Yes, I mean, always, right? I just started today a book by Carlo Rovelli called Reality is Not What It Seems, which is another one that has been in my to-read pile for far too long. Mm. I think I've unconsciously been avoiding it until I have the headspace to tackle a discussion about quantum
1: physics. (laughs) So wish me luck. Understandable. (laughs) What are you reading right now? I am diving into Season of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll. So, more on that later. Amazing. So, what are we talking about today? We are dipping our toes into the Sabbath of Lunaza. So, shall we jump in? Let's do it.
0: In the Northern Hemisphere, August 1st marks the start of harvest season. It's known as Lamas in the Anglo-Saxon world, Lunaza or simply the first harvest. The second harvest shows up in September as Mabon, a.k.a. the autumnal equinox, and then the third and final, Samhain. Lunaza gets its name from the Celtic god Lu, a solar deity that appeared each year to signal the start of harvest season. Beyond his role as solar god, Lu was also a craftsman, a divine athlete, and a leader of heroes. According to Celtic mythology, Lugh was the king of the Tuatha de Danon, which, if you're a lover of the goddess Brigid, like Kate and myself, you might know that she is also a member of this clan. In fact, Brigid might potentially be the feminine counterpart to Lou, so that might be why he's one of the few masculine deities that I feel drawn to work with.
1: I'm so glad you said this. I also love Lou, but to be honest, he's still kind of new to me. I loved your writing about him when we worked on the Book of the Gods together, and Lunaza has not really been a conscious part of my practice as a witch on the Wheel of the Year, and I think maybe in part this is because of my damaged relationship with the masculine. However, I love thinking about Brigid and Lou and their connection with each other, Lou is also known for his magical horse, hound, and spear, so any man with a dog really just, you know, knows the way to my heart. (laughs) Agreed.
0: Would you consider working with Lou or another solar deity? I'm curious if you feel any sort of way about him based on his potential connection to Brigid.
1: You know, I've always just been so focused on the moon and the goddesses that I think in some ways I've abandoned that masculine aspect of myself. Making this podcast together, I've been reminded of how much good healing the masculine can do, and it's definitely a shadow I'm working to integrate, make peace with, and examine So I would definitely consider working more with Lou, and I wonder if you have any advice here. I know it's something you struggle with, too, from many of our previous conversations.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it's counterproductive for me to suggest a goddess to help here, (laughs) but I mentioned in the last episode how I've been working with Athena because she truly is more of a masculine deity Mm -hmm. than many other goddesses. I feel like she's helped me transition into a healthier mindset regarding the sacred masculine. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do an episode next season that touches on her duality and, of course, her relationship to Medusa.
1: Oh, Medusa. I would love to speak about both Athena and Medusa in the future, so let's add that to the list. But back to Lou.
0: Like so many kings from the old world, Lou was a skilled warrior responsible for protecting the well-being of his followers. That meant shielding them from harm, whether that was opposing clans or famine from fallowed fields. Supposedly, people would invoke glue to protect their crops from blight, pests, or diseases that might decimate an entire summer's worth of planting.
1: I read that his name derives from the old Welsh of vow and contract and oath, so that he may have originally been a god of oaths, which is really interesting, especially when we consider his commitment to honoring his mother, which I know that you'll speak about in a moment.
0: Yeah, and truthfully, I think it's seeing what he's done in his mother's name that makes him even more special to me. I'll explain more in a moment, but back to Lou and food offerings. Farmers often gifted the first fruits of their labor to this harvest god. I see this sacrifice as a way to balance the universal scales of give and take. It was also a way for anyone who worked with plants or grew food for the community to recognize that higher powers were intertwined with even the simple daily tasks. I read about one tradition in Wales where families would dedicate the first ear of corn to Lou by burying it on a nearby hillside. The people would then go home, feast, and return to the burial site where they would reenact Lou's triumph over famine. I love this idea. Me too. People could also show their appreciation to Lou by taking part in the Tale 2 Games, a series of athletically inspired funeral games in honor of his adopted mother, Tale 2. According to Irish legend, Tailtu died from exhaustion while clearing the fields. To keep her name alive, Lou created and named an annual festival after her. These funeral games consisted of competitive sports like horse racing, a lot of feasting, and friendly games that served as a form of social interaction for the younger crowds.
1: Yes, and, you know, um, in addition to Athena, his mother could be a wonderful goddess to work with during this time. Tale 2 is uh, Earth Goddess, and her name translates to Great One of the Earth. So she's considered to be born on the Earth, however, also considered to be one of the triads of the Celtic goddess. She is an embodiment of both endurance and strength, and I also found some research that she is symbolized by the fruit of a crabapple tree, which is the Celtic symbol for rebirth.
0: Something else I discovered was that some scholars suggest that Lou might have evolved into, or at the very least, over time, become associated with the Roman god Mercury, or if you prefer his Greek counterpart, Hermes. Hmm. For our ancestors, at Lunaza, the fruits of their labor were starting to ripen, and hopefully in the coming months the wealth of abundance they were sitting on would be even more apparent. So this was a time to celebrate, but also to psych themselves up for what was yet to come. Harvest season has a work hard, play hard kind of feel to me. I feel like these harvest festivals were and are a good thing. Because if all we're doing is harvesting all day, never taking a day to breathe, rest, and appreciate what we've been working on during the past cycle or two, we'll likely start to resent those responsibilities, even though we depend on them for survival. Mm -hmm. And it's not just plants and crops coming to term right now. It might also be time for us to start harvesting things in the metaphorical sense. Today, it's easy to feel disconnected from the Sabbaths since they're often based on what's happening in the agricultural world, and nowadays we can just run down to the store whenever we need to restock our pantry. Good point. But working with the essence of each season is so magical, because each cycle encompasses so many different worlds and archetypes. We're still in the mother archetype territory, we're still creating and digging our hands in the dirt— watering the soil, watching new life take shape. But we're also inching our way towards the next phase, so cronehood is in the back of our minds.
1: In the spiral dance, which I know I love to talk about, Starhawk (laughs) says, decorate the altar with sheaves of wheat and grain. A large cornbread god figure lies on the altar, and small bread men and women are piled in baskets. Other baskets hold star-shaped cakes or cookies and a fire is lit in the center of the circle gather meditate and breathe together the priestess says this is the wake of lu the sun god who dies with the waning year the corn king who dies when the grain is reaped we stand now between hope and fear in the time of waiting in the field the grain is ripe but not yet harvested We have worked hard to bring many things to fruition, but the rewards are not yet certain. Now the mother becomes the reaper, the implacable one who feeds on life that new life may grow. Light diminishes, the days shorten, summer passes. We gather to turn the wheel, knowing that to harvest we must sacrifice and warmth and light must pass into winter.
0: I love this. Lunaza gives us permission to reap what we've sown. No matter where we are or what our life looks like, we can still ask ourselves, what intentions did we set at midwinter? What metaphorical seeds did we plant at Imbolc? What projects have we been working on since Beltane and Midsummer? Where have we been directing our energy? What is right for the picking and what needs more time in the sun? And also, what should we compost? What are we grateful for?
1: I love all of these questions so much. I think that pulling out a notebook and doing some journaling around these thoughts would be the perfect addition to any ritual or honoring of this day. I think I would also add, how are you connecting to the earth? What lights you up? What's your relationship to the masculine? How do you feel about the word sacrifice? How are you staying grounded in your work?
0: I think it's important to note that this is the start of harvest season. Like, we don't have to harvest everything right now. There's still plenty of time to allow things to grow and progress.
1: Yes, and the Wheel of the Year is such a good reminder that all things come in cycles. Everything has its season. Although I do want to add, I love the dull sort of ache after doing a day of hard labor, and sometimes it's just when I use my body and go for a long run, or if I'm helping in Robin Rose's garden, or if I walk 42 city blocks, (laughs) it's a different kind of magic, and that's the sort of magic of the season to me.
0: Yes, to all of this. We're recording this pre Lunaza, but what are you thinking you'll do to celebrate this year? I feel like harvest festivals have a very country feel to them, mm. and I'm always curious how city witches work with the Sabbaths.
1: Well, it's so funny. I know that I mentioned earlier that I've never really celebrated Lunaza consciously, but in some ways I've been celebrating it my whole life. Um, my mom's birthday is August 1st, and so as a family, we are almost always in northern Michigan, hiking, staying up late playing games, honoring our mother, being with the dogs and by water. So it's all been very loo this whole time. And I never even realized this. Also, happy birthday, mom. Love you. <laughs>
0: I think this just goes to show how magic can be unfurled through working with the archetypes.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And, you know, I'm not sure if you have this phrase in the Azores, but in Michigan, when I was growing up, people would always say, knee-high by July, in reference to the corn. So I feel like by August 1st, the landscape changes, especially when you grow up in farmland. What about you, Kristen?
0: I've never heard that before, but Mm -hmm. I might adopt it because it's so catchy. Um, Yeah, by mid-August, things are starting to look a little crispy. You really have to be caring for your plants, making sure you're watering them every day uh, if you want a second or third harvest. And I think we can say the same things about ourselves. Burnout is so real at this time of year because everything is so action-oriented. So make sure you're nourishing yourself as well. Definitely.
1: There's a longer piece on Magic and Alchemy, the blog, that I wrote that talks a bit about the magic of August, like I have for the months prior. So listeners, go there for written ideas around the magic of the month outside of the ritual that you, Kristen, wrote for the subscription box.
0: Yes, I love the monthly welcomes. Check it out.
1: And listeners, we'll be back soon. Just like cycles and seasons for all things, expect us back for the beginning of season two around Mabon. If there are things you want to see, hear about, or discuss, please email us ideas and questions to podcast at tamedwild.com or DM either Kristen or myself your thoughts. I'm so excited.
0: Blessed Lunaza and have a magical summer.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballew and Kristen Losenby. You can find us online at k8ballew and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at tamedwild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com.
0: Tune into our next episode dedicated to summer magic in August, and then we'll be back with weekly episodes in September, just in time for the season of The Witch. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So, mode it be or something better. Until next time!